let's discuss this. Here we go. On the on the three, two, one. Uh, we are speaking with a Canadian artist, uh, Danko Jones, and as we say here in Montreal, uh, bonjour, Monsieur Danko. Comment allez-vous? How are you? I'm doing okay. You're doing good. Um, there's so much to talk about, and and what's interesting about today's chat is that we're really not here to promote anything. We just figured we'll we'll have a, a discussion and and. I was listening to your podcast with Darby Mills, and you were talking about uh, Todd Kearns. And um, let me start with that, with the Danko Jones podcast. Uh, talk to me about about why you wanted to get into podcasting, because you you do have a platform with the music. You can write a song. You can go out there and perform. Well, these days you can't go out there and perform it, but normally you can go out there and perform it. Um, what was interesting for you to get into the podcasting and just get into the spoken word? portion of you know getting a message out there well i mean i've been doing a podcast since 2011 so this year it's going to be 10 years i've been doing one but i actually started and i found old episodes back in 2005 i actually did a podcast because our then webmaster told me that you should do these things called podcasts um and they just turned out to be um like what the band was doing on the road for a period of one or two weeks. Um, and I did about eight or 10 of them. Uh, I've, so I've always just, you know, when we play live, you know, the uh, banter that I do in between the songs sometimes is lasts longer than the songs that we play. So I've always been kind of a bit of a chatterbox and the podcast is a great medium platform forum to get, certain opinions and you know just things that i want to say or can say out well let me ask you about that because my whole thing has always been to stay very much out of the politics and just post about music and and i don't give opinions on who i vote or don't vote for and stuff you're very different in that respect that you do get out there and, and talk about i mean just just going through your twitter today you're talking about john schaefer and you're talking about this um is that something that you need to do for your own sort of, you know, personal beliefs or edification? And is it dangerous as an artist to put out your opinions on that? Because you, you see when Tommy Lee does it or you see, people are always tweeting, and oh, you should just shut up and you sing your songs. What's your take on, on being active and having that voice and just being the guy who sings the songs? I mean, lots of bands just sing the songs and that's fine. and really for a certain amount of time that's all we did but these last few years um have been pretty charged and i think you know silence is complicity when it, what i see is really uh brazen racism in our faces and in, in the music industry when i see it i have to say something about it if i don't i i feel like I've, you know, I'm, I am kind of complicit in a way. Um, and, uh, I'm not gonna, yeah, I, I'm not gonna take any extremist point of view. Basically my whole point of getting political, if you will, is just like, don't be racist. <laughs> don't be homophobic. Don't yeah. be sexist. Uh, real simple things that, I think should be uh, reiterated if people aren't aware. And plus, 
you know, we sing a lot about, or I sing a lot about sex. A lot of the lyrics are charged with sex and, and about relationships and, and what have you. So being who I am, looking like I do in the place that I do it in, uh, we've always been a political band, whether I say anything political or not. And that's just people finding out about that now. Um, so even though I don't, you know, I haven't really aired any political views up until maybe the last few years. Um, we've, like I said, we've always been a political band just because of the placement of our band, the positioning that I'm in, et cetera, et cetera. But I really feel like lately, you know, I've, I've wanted to say something publicly about, you know, certain topics on racism in the summer this past summer there was like blackout tuesday and you know there's things that are happening there and i felt in that small window of time one day <laughs> i was allowed to or a week i should say i was allowed to kind of air some of my uh opinions on what i've always been feeling um and that was that window was not was given to me it, I, I didn't pry it open it was it was given to me. So it's not as if I'm kind of breaking down any doors or anything or being um, uh, provocative or or controversial just, you know, to to drum up some sort of uh, promo or anything. I just feel the need that it it, it has to be said. And I, I know anything I say isn't going to make any difference, uh, but drops in the bucket, well, you know, do. Yeah. See, I, I, I disagree. I think that when enough people speak out, it does make a difference. And I think uh, a lot of oh, yeah. little drops in the bucket fill yeah. a bucket. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I just feel like I know this isn't this tweet isn't going to change the world, but it's, you know, one more tweet out there. And like you said, yeah. And, and, and I want to bring because I'm going to take up two things on there that when you say nothing, you're complicit. But I want to get to this first. I have a friend, my best friend, uh, Jeremy. He's he's a he's native. He's Mohawk. And this is what was tweeted to him last week. And this is why I agree with what you're doing. It says, Jeremy, and this was on Twitter. You're way too pale to be a native. Stop with the act. And if you are, you're a drug addict and tobacco smoke smuggling leech. And you should pay your taxes like everyone else. Fuck you, you pale-skinned, fake, native white. And that's why we need people like you talking about it. And that's why we need to be speaking out about it. Because that was... Uh, it, it's outrageous. It's completely fucking outrageous. And nobody should be uh, subjected to that at any time in their life. Period. End of story. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a, such an unfortunate tweet that your friend got. Um, yes. And whoever tweeted that out is scum. Yes. But but um, I feel like even though, you know, we're we're known as a really good time rock band and, um, you know, we're not we're not the clash. Um, let's put it that way. Uh, and like I was saying before, our lyrics are, you know, about sex and relationships and and guys and girls and and men and women and dating and whatever have you or whatever. Um it's fine for me to do. It's fine for me to sing. I think I've always kept the lyrics uh, pretty up and up. Everyone can comb through it. There's nothing wrong with singing about some, you know, woman that you're attracted to or that no. you're in love with. No. And so I've always, I've always been pretty confident with our lyrics and and the way we've presented our band and our music. And of course, 
has nothing, none of the songs have anything to do with, you know, a certain set of politics. And Twitter is not a song. Tweets are not songs. Um, but I feel... Though there's a concept right there, <laughs> the tournament the songs. But, but you know, Jeremy is, uh, he's one of, um, he's on the Beat 92 in, in, in Montreal. He's our, one okay, of our so top Okay, so he's DJ. in the public eye. He's in the public eye, and that's why right, he was okay. targeted. And and you're in the public eye and, and, and stuff. But let me ask you about being complicit, because um, I I try to, to run my socials just very neutral on everything, not because I don't have feelings about things, but just because I want to have a respite where people can just come and see the album of the day or the song of the day and not get caught up in, because it ends up just being you bash me, I bash you, you bash this, you bash that. And then the whole conversation gets taken over. Um, I would disagree that that makes me complicit in this stuff. I, I think that I offer a sort of an alternative service where you have a safe place where you can just come and be the rock fan and not have to be bombarded with. Uh, I mean, am I wrong? And be honest, do, do you think I'm wrong? Complicity. Okay. There's certain kinds of complicity. I think um, you doing what you do, playing rock songs for people, you have a choice. You can do it. Uh, you can be political. You can, I, I, I don't want to say political, but you can air an opinion or two every now and then, or you can choose not to. It's uh, not going to change what what you are there in the public eye to do, which is serve people records. Now, you can say the same thing about me. I'm just a singer. I should stay in my lane. And for the most part, I do. Right. Um, but I'm not saying that about you. Is, I think you do what you do and Tommy Lee does what Tommy, and that's fine. And when you go there, you get that. Um, but, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't think I need to do I don't it, think you, know. you, I don't think you need to feel guilty for, right. for, or feel weird about not jumping in the fray with us right. and saying what we say. Okay. Um, because I think you're not staying in your lane by just playing records. You just, you, like you said, you just want it to be a, a, a place where people can get away from all that right. stuff. And there should be places like that, that, you know, don't take a side or anything. And I don't take a side. I think um, racism in 2021 has been put to the forefront of pop culture. Um, and and so I am part of that. And I'm looking like I am and doing what we do and the way I present myself in public, which is basically screaming in your face. And I feel that, first of all, I don't think I'm uh, off brand by just being very opinionated about about things, the way I present myself um, at a show. Um, But you shouldn't feel guilty for, for not doing it. I shouldn't feel guilty. But I... For me personally, I do feel guilty if I don't say anything just because of how I'm positioned publicly and just for me, just so I can so I can be okay with me. Yeah. Um, And I I think, by the way, I feel like I'm representing or I I look I look at how I looked at other people when I was 14 years old, getting into music as as a a visible minority and, and just how it meant so much when someone was there. You know, like, for example, Sacrifice or, you know, watching Joe Rico, uh, watching the guys in Death Angel, watching Soundgarden, like uh, first lineup, Um, all that stuff 
really made impressions on me. Caton uh, from Hyrax, uh, getting it, finding out about the Bad Brains. Um, those those bands meant a lot to me, and I can just see, you know, when when I'm I'm not in that position, but I am in a in the public eye. So I just feel to be okay with myself air an opinion or two and why you think I'm political now, as opposed to not before was it's like it, the, the times are charged. The, the, the tar- I know, I know. We're and talking on the day that it's his, Donald Trump's last day in, in the office. And we just had a, 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 a failed insurrection of the, <laughs> of the American uh, political system last week. So yeah, it's very charged. And for me to not say something, Especially when it affects like the scene with John Schaefer and Iced Earth and Stu Block and all these guys, um, I, I'm a loudmouth by nature, man. I'm on brand on this, you know. It, oh, and I'm not saying you're off brand. What I'm trying to say is, I think we're both right in this: is that when Tommy Lee or you, somebody says something, let him say it. That when somebody tweets and goes, "You should just shut your mouth and be a rock star," no, <laughs> you should be who you are. And when I decide to just, you know, play. People should just go, fine. Like, I think none of us deserve criticism, quite frankly. I think we do what we do. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not, go. hey, Mitch. Yeah. You got to start speaking up. (laughs) I know. But I do, it's funny because I do get those once in a while, like, hey, why don't you swell? And I'm like, because that's not, anyway, but. uh, No, you know what? I totally, I. But the the John John Schaefer thing, by the way, that, that gets to me because I literally. I'm trying to think about it. Uh, was it September of 2019? I anyway, like in the last like year, year and a half, I actually sat on a bus with him for an because I didn't know. I, I was told go interview him, so I went to interview him, and then I see him on TV in the Capitol, and I went, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> it 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 makes you sort of reflect, and and he's, I was just like, "Oh, dang." Um, that's that's a bit of a rough one to to you know to to put, but. Uh, Let's uh, let's get back to music here for a second. Not not to okay. get away from the political stuff because I don't I didn't want to do this all, all political stuff. But no, I don't want to either. I, I you know the one thing I'm kind of hoping like future interviews don't just revolve around like politics because I'm not a guy. political guy. No, I want to talk about the about the music business because you know yesterday I was talking to Mike uh, Reno of of Loverboy and we were talking about how back in the day. In Vancouver, you know, you had Bruce Fairburn and Brian Adams and Bruce Allen and, and Mark LaFrance and everybody was just like together in a team and we're sort of hanging out and they made all these great records and he was telling me how he sang background vocals on uh, Living on a Prayer and stuff. Um, does that still exist in Canada? Do we do we still have that sort of community where we just sort of hang out and, and is there a hot spot right now? And and for you as Danko Jones, because you've been doing this, well, the first album was what, 202, 203? Yeah, like. but that was uh, five years into us being a band. Right. Or six years. Six, six years, years into us being a band. Um, how is the Canadian industry these days for an up-and-coming band? I mean, is it is it easy to make your place? Are you still sandboxed as, oh, you're a Canadian band, you'll always be a Canadian band, don't ask us to bring you over to England, just, you know, be happy that you're playing Toronto. How, how is it right now to to get a band going and be a band? Well, I don't know. I mean, I've been doing this thing for now. This year is going to be 25 years we've been doing this, JC and I. And uh, I have no idea of the scene. I mean, I know other bands, you know, other Canadian bands, rock bands and, 
you know, metal, met, metal friendly type rock bands or what, ha what have you. Um, I would not know how to start a band today. If we, if I had to do it from scratch, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, so I don't really have any opinion or advice. I, you know, we don't really play Canada as much as we play the rest of the world. Um, that's just a fact. So when I think of the scene, I think of the rock scene in general, like the big global rock scene and all the rock bands in Italy and in, in the UK and in, in Holland and, you know, all those, I, I, I think of it in, in terms of that. And, and, um, uh, we try to help out, you know, some of the bands and take them out on tour, not necessarily, they can't be Canadian all the time. In fact, I, I can't remember if we have taken a Canadian band, but we always try and take out like up and coming young, or if not young, like, you know, deserving bands that need the exposure that maybe our tour can give our audience can give to them. Um, and we've done that multiple times in the past. Uh, uh, that's how I see. Right. Cause we, know, we've, the, we've actually that. lost that in the industry, you know, going to shows, uh, back in the early 80s and 70s, I would go see Kiss and there would be the headpins. I'd go see Aerosmith and there would be Brian Adams opening up. There there would be these up, you know, Toronto. Uh, uh, Toronto opened up for a show. Now it's all these package. It's Kiss and Aerosmith. It's, uh, you know. Um, have have the bigger bands sort of lost this, this, this sort of feeling of ha having to pay it back or pay it forward and, and taking out these younger bands because we were stuck in these all package tours and they're sort of like, hey, what about us? How, how do we get noticed? Well, I think those bands are at a different level. Um, and uh, a, a young up-and-coming band that is like kind of stapled at the end of a huge four-package, you know, legendary tour won't even get noticed. Actually, it might, you know, work against them. They, they'll get booed. You know, it's happened to us many times. Um, and so I, I think the best route for young bands is to go with like kind of B and C level bands like us, you know, like playing the clubs with us, not hitting the, 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 the big stadiums with Kiss. Although even though you probably won't sell one T-shirt at a Kiss show opening up if, if you, you know, you're on your first cd or first release it you'll still do it everybody no one will turn that down but trust me you will not sell one t-shirt uh for the whole duration of well the tour. okay so i'm gonna ask you about your personal experience because the first time i saw you live was at the bell center or was it the molson center back then? anyway was that in montreal skid row not skid row uh, sebastian bach and guns and roses Oh, you should see the old clubs that we used to play in Montreal. We used to go there and and rip rip the town apart, you know, on a weekend. That was a lot of fun those but, days. But was that Fufoon Electric? The Fufoon, that's the greatest we played place there ever. many times. That is the great that that's one of the greatest rock clubs in North America. Honestly, it's just it's fun. It's fun as hell. Cafe <laughs> Campus. I, I can't. Cafe I'm Campus. To... Uh, what else yeah. is there? A Corona. There's a, you know. No. But uh, for that Guns N' Roses tour, which is what, 2008, 2009? 10. Was it really 10? Wow. Yeah, 2010. Did, was that beneficial to you? Or did people just not buy the t-shirt and just boo you and go, fuck off. Just I want to see guns. Like, how was it for you? 
uh, a little, little of both. Okay. When it came to the Canadian tour, we were, we're a Canadian band. There's a certain amount of people in the audience that know us. Um, maybe they know us a little better than others, but for the most part, if you're going to a rock show in Canada, you would have at least heard of our band. You know, the name absolutely. is Absolutely, absolutely. So we weren't in a losing situation there. It was, you know, I'd like to think we, we maybe won a few people over. Um, and then, actually, unbeknownst to a lot of people in Canada, Guns ended up taking us on tour for the rest of the year all over the world. So we played nine more countries with, with, the, with the band for 2010. And it would be like, uh, you know, I'd be home thinking I'm home for three weeks. And we'd get a call going... Can you be at, you know, Romania? Can you be in, in Germany Europe? next week? Yeah. Yeah. Like we played Romania. We played, we, they took us to Russia. We played Finland. We played Norway. We played uh, Ireland. So um, it was, it was a wonderful year. And in certain places where we'd never played before in Romania, um, the advantage was we weren't stapled at the end of a huge lineup of bands. Uh, we were main support. So it was us and Guns N' Roses in, say, Romania or in Ireland or in Moscow. So we uh, hopefully benefited from that. Um, it's hard to tell, you know, like y y you can't really. We haven't been back to, you know, Moscow since. <laughs> but, you know, first of all, it was a great experience. But, you know, at least we got to play and people and they were the audience was great. You know, we got a good reception. So being main support is a world of difference than being first of five. Yeah, no kidding, because first of five, nobody wants to nobody cares. Just yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the and the second band of the night has already got like five gold records under their belt type of package, you know? Yeah, and listen, I, I know from the fan perspective, I go to the shows and I show up at, you know, at, at 10 in the morning. I, I'm one of those, I, I need to get there early. But I have a lot of folks that will, that'll text me and say, hey, uh, can you uh, look on the, uh, on the on the sheet and see at what time Guns actually plays? Because I want to get there 10 minutes before. And you're just like, just yeah. come to the whole, come to the whole show. You yeah, know, it's, it's it's a bummer when you're the first band to, to hear those stories. It's like, oh, man, if it's if it's not because of work, because then that's different. But if it's just because you want to watch, you know, I don't know, Price is Right for a little longer. That sucks. That's that's I, I get it all the time. Hey, I'm going to be uh, in the pool with my kids till like seven. Can you just tell me when uh, Danko is starting and I'll come? It's just like, oh, just just come for the whole fucking day. Come oh, on. if it's for us, yeah. then forget it. <laughs> for, oh, <laughs> they, can, they can show up. Um, I want to ask you just real quick, in terms of uh, content and content creators, because you're a content creator with the, with the podcast and, of course, the music. Uh, we talk often about how Spotify and all the services don't pay uh, artists enough. And, of course, from the podcast perspective, I go, don't pay them enough. We don't get paid, period. So, <laughs> um, and, and I also want to talk about the music journalism because this is my my issue. This is my political issue. Um, sh should all content creators be paid? I mean, should, should you know, when I make a podcast and a website takes the the, the news and respreads it, should that should that be monetized? Should we should we be paid? It is, you yeah, know, but theoretically, yeah, but. <laughs> is there the money to spread it around? That's the only thing. 
Okay, because I've always that's always been my discussion is that you know we talk a lot about how the music the musicians don't get paid, but a lot of the other content creators don't get paid as all. So there there should be some kind of of investment for for content, I would think. Uh, I mean, I don't disagree with you. Um, for me, is the I guess I've never heard myself described like a content creator before. I'm well, going to add that to the to, to the, the bio. Well, I mean, it, it is sort of the the mood du jour, right? We're content creators. <laughs> Influencer is that another one? Uh, I don't yeah. think I'm either. But but um, uh, that's the reason why I've never monetized deliberately monetized my podcast. Um, there's no uh, GoFundMe thing or Patreon thing. Um, not that I, I think it's bad to do because, you know, friends do that who have podcasts and I don't fault them for it. But for me, I, I didn't want, yeah, I, I, for me, I think it would ruin the fun aspect for me. It would become a kind of a job thing. And I do it. I have the luxury of being able to do a podcast simply because I want to do it. So right now I don't want to do the podcast. So I've given myself two months off. There's no money man knocking at the door needing for me to do it, you know, so it's not on any sort of platform or professional uh, podcast company or group. <laughs> I, I've deliberately not even knocked on any of those doors to get on those platforms. So I just do it for fun. And that way I'm not disappointed by, you know, lack of listens or uh, wonderfully surprised when they do spike up. Um, you know, I just, it's just for me, actually, when I do the intros to each episode, I'm just talking to myself, you know? Yeah, so, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. Listen, uh, uh, my podcast and my show is, is basically like you, it's just for fun. Yeah. I, I, I have other stuff that, that pays for me, but it, it doesn't pay. And it's just, it's just that I've had this, this discussion over time with people who, you know, they, they go into, uh, and I don't want to name websites, but their websites will take all their stuff. And you and they go, wow! My name was on this website, and I go, how much did they pay you? Well, they don't. I go, yeah, but but they're getting paid. <laughs> they should be anyway. Yeah, uh, no, I, I I understand. Yeah, it's but, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I I, I don't. That's get why it. I just want to keep it out, keep money out of it, you know, and keep it fun and I don't want to say pure, but or innocent, but it, you know, just keep it for fun. Uh, well, listen. Uh, in the same way, I guess I, I'm keeping it pure because I don't do the Patreon and I don't do any of that stuff and. Just, you know, not that it's not pure if you do it, Jesus, because I have friends who do it and I, <laughs> and I, I, I encourage it and I watch them from from the sidelines and I, I you know, I'm, I encourage them. The, the un, you watch the unpure from the from the side. <laughs> <laughs> it's the no, unpure. Oh, my Lord. Um, I just I just I feel it would be like a job and and I I do it to I do the podcast on days off on tour. It's 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 the way I can just chill out, you know. Um, so I don't want it to be a, another thing that I got to meet a deadline. Well, yeah, I, I, listen, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I have quit my podcast about eight times this year so far. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and then I'll, I'll not do it for three days and then I'll go, fuck, and I'll do like eight episodes and I'll just go, all right. And I'm, I'm hitting that point right now where I'm just going to be, I'm not going to do anything. And then, of course, it'll be like five episodes before now and Valentine's Day. Um it's good for you. Yeah, that's great. I know. I, I get motivated. I get down and then I get motivated. Uh, Danko Jones, A Rock Supreme is the last album. 
Um, talk to me about the importance of, of making new music and staying creative. Now, I know when we talk about Heritage Acts or, you know, Aerosmith and Metallica and stuff, they really don't need to make new music. They, they can just sort of tread water and play the 15 greatest hits and give the fans 75 minutes, cast a check, go home. Um, for you, though, and for a band that is, as you said, in a B and a C level, new music seems to be exceptionally important because you have to sort of keep it moving. you got to keep moving forward. you got to keep feeding the feeding the you got to be a content creator <laughs> right um talk to me about that and and what is sort of the plan to release new music do you have sort of this every two years we write something or eh, when i have 11 songs i'll, I'll record i'm like how do you sort of gauge when you need to put a new product out and i sorry to make it so commercial and crass but you know um well luckily uh, we uh, i love doing it i love writing and playing rock so even though it i guess if i take a step back it would sound like i'm just selling a product me being so close to it i don't see that uh it's fun as hell so i don't see it as a, a, a like a product i'm putting out having said that we do usually put out a new album every two years um and that just to keep keep things going i wish we had the luxury of you know, doing 11 songs when, you know, creativity hits us like lightning. Um, I have a feeling I will never put out an album if that happens. I, I, I like to work towards uh, a, a deadline um, because it gets me motivated. And that goes back to the podcast. If there's a deadline, I just can't rest until it's done, you know, and uh, the podcast is for relaxing. So when we're given a deadline for the new album, going we have to have it by this time so we can go on tour etc etc you know then then the you know motivation starts starts moving and and the songs start being written um and that happens every about two two and a half years unfortunately for us we've never you know gotten a double platinum top 20 song or whatever so we have to keep going we have to keep working. We're a real working band. Um, hey, things could be different if you know we hit number one and we're we're as big as the Foo Fighters next year. Then maybe it'll take longer for us to put out a, the next record because we'll want to enjoy the spoils. Um, but I, as much as I I complain about how it's you know like it's constantly we're constantly touring and constantly working. Um, stepping back and this year has allowed me to step back and look at the body of work that we've done. I'm very proud of it. Like, like all the bands that I love, there's, you know, ups and downs. There's it, it, it admitted lows as much as there are proud highs. So, uh, as the body of work. So uh, it, it's fun, you know, to, 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 to step back and look at it. Unfortunately, uh, under these times to look at it, it's not so much fun, but, but uh, it does exist. So, you know, nine studio albums and three compilation albums of original material. Uh, it's it's fun to look back. So, OK, let, and we'll start wrapping up on this. But let's look at the industry. I, I asked you about the Canadian industry before. We are looking right now in the pandemic to maybe 80 percent of the clubs not being around. How is that going to affect your business moving forward? Because some some of these clubs aren't going to come back. Uh, some of the investors just aren't going to invest. They're going to be, oh, well, if there's a pandemic in three years from now, I'm not even going to invest 100000 to open this up. You know, 
if you're Aerosmith or Metallica, and I know I keep going back to those bands, eventually the stadiums will open, eventually the festivals will open, and they'll just show up and they'll, you know. Um, what happens if, if eight out of ten clubs closes? What what happens to Danko Jones? Do, do you just go to live streaming? Do you do you charge more for the tickets for a special one evening in Cal? I mean, like, how do you see this moving forward? Uh, it's a very scary um, idea if it takes effect that, you know, all the clubs will close and none will open back up. Um, having said that, you keep bringing up Metallica and Aerosmith. Did you see that tour when they played with Black Crows and Warrant? I did. I saw that in Toronto. That was a... and. The, that's when I was younger because I actually drove from Montreal to Toronto, watched the show, and then drove home to Montreal. Wow. Pretty <laughs> hardcore. Wow. Now, if I did that today, that wouldn't end well. <laughs> it just wouldn't right. end well. <laughs> because Metallica played for what? Two, what was that? Uh, Exhibition Stadium. They played for what? Two and a half hours? Or I'm just like, will they ever stop? I have to get home. Oh, Metallica! Metallica opened that show. I was yeah. there too. Oh yeah, yeah. They but only they played for forty-five minutes. No, it felt like anyway. Anyway, that show felt super long. But of course, I had like a six and a half hour drive in my body, <laughs> and then I was worried about having to drive home. But I got I got home at like eight in the morning with no sleep, and ah, the joys of being That's young. Amazing. I mean, we used to do that too. We'd play Ottawa and then drive home. Yeah. Well, Ottawa we to... did that in Montreal too. Montreal, we drove. Oh wow! All the way to Montreal, we were stuck in a in a snowstorm. We uh, uh, ended up showing up to the club at Fafoon late, and we played for fifteen minutes, and we drove back. You played for fifteen minutes? Yeah, because we missed the slot. The uh, <laughs> you know we were so late. They let us play, load our gear in. We played for fifteen minutes, and then we drove back. Who were you opening for, or what was the gig? Uh, I believe it was the New Bomb Turks. Oh, at, wow. Uh, Fafuni Patrick, yeah. <laughs> Back in 98. What's the uh, what's the best part of playing Montreal? The uh, the potholes or the orange cones? <laughs> oh, I I don't I can't I can't remember. The potholes, really? Um <laughs> it's it's our national yeah. sport, potholes and orange cones. That's <laughs> that's Quebec for you. you know. Right. The uh, uh yeah, I I think the well, because of that, especially because of that show, it's the weather. I'll never forget that. Because you're freaking out. You're in the van going, we're supposed to be at soundcheck right now, and we're two hours away from the club. So that kind of stuff will drive you nuts. But I've had great um, experiences since then uh, in Montreal for shows. But uh, getting back to your question, yeah, uh, I have no idea, like everyone else, I'm going by the seat of my pants. I think we all are as a band and hoping that if old clubs can't make it through this pandemic, new clubs will rise in their ashes, uh, hopefully with the same people who are still involved. Um, and, you know, I think the there there might be some sort of uh, – uh, trepidation for investors to to come in at the same time i think once people i look at this past summer once it got warmer people started to loosen up a little bit from the first wave i think now that vaccines actually exist and the more people get it i think people's confidence uh will will 
increase again and uh, things will hopefully get back to normal. I mean, I'm very hopeful and positive about that. And yeah, there's going to be clubs that will and bands too yeah. won't, won't be able to. Well, it's not uh, just the bands. It's going to be all the guys around them. I know a lot of roadies. Uh, yeah. that are currently working in garden centers, that are currently yeah. uh, letter carriers. Sure. And and uh, the one guy that's a, a mailman or letter carrier has said to me, I'm not going back. I go, not but, but, back, but yeah. you're, you're touring with one of the top bands from the 70s. He's like, I'm not going back. I've now got this. It's X amount. I've got um, what do you call it? A, a, four, a, four, what's a what's a 401k in the states? I guess they call it. You know, RS. He goes. Oh. Uh, he goes. I'm not going back. And I go. But yeah. you have to. Your band's going to tour. Ne-. He goes. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to risk it again. What if something comes up? What if I? And it's just like wow. There's a whole lot of unknown. I don't want to call them victims because they're not necessarily victims, but all kinds of unknown casualties that are taking shrapnel by by this. You know. I think the the unknown factor is always there when you go into rock in in the 2020s. Um, this isn't uh, the first choice for a lot of people in terms of vocations. So the unknown will always be there. I mean, for us, rock is a dwindling music. It's not even in the top 10 most popular forms of music right. anymore. Um, so, can, can I just take you up on that for one second? Because this is how I've, I've, I hear this all the time. Gene Simmons, rock is dead, rock is dead, rock is dead. Oh, no, no. I disagree with Gene completely. Exactly. Don't, don't misunderstand. And by the way, we haven't even talked Kiss today, but don't we... Isn't rock just doing what jazz did? I mean, you know... Well, that's what I say. I say right. that all the time. Rock is going the way of jazz. Correct. And it's 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 going underground, which to me... As like a the rock jazz clubs. Fan, yes. I've, I, I actually... In terms of the cool factor of rock, it's actually cool that it's going underground because for so long, it was seen as like this cheesy popular thing yes you know yes so, yeah you know you, you look at in the 1920s and 30s the the jazz age and then you come now and you've got the toronto jazz festival the montreal jazz. i think that's where rock is headed you know you don't oh, hear yeah. you don't hear jazz necessarily on top 20 rate i mean of course you don't but don't no. tell me that the toronto jazz festival is a failure do not tell me the montreal jazz festival is a failure and i think eventually there will be maybe in 2050 the Montreal Rock Festival or the Mon- sure. I, I think we're headed that way. Um, well, there's heavy Montreal already. Yeah, sort of, kind of. If it comes back, <laughs> let's hope it does. I, if it doesn't, it will come back in another form. I think you know, I, and hopefully with the same people behind the scenes doing it. Yeah, Evenco um, so is I, a great promoter, a, a fabulous promoter. They they treat people right. I will say that about Evenco. Yeah, so I, I just hope that, you know, we're we're still in the middle of this whole pandemic, but, you know, the difference is this year is vaccines exist. So we couldn't say that this time last year. So that was the scary aspect of it. Um, so hopefully we can just get it out, out there to everybody. So once yeah. we do that, then we can start playing again. We'll hope. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it on that and... and... As you said on your podcast, uh, trust the science. Honestly, just just trust the science. That's the way to go. Oh, it's uh, been another virus of stupidity alongside the actual virus <laughs> where people are not believing doctors and scientists. I'm, I play hack guitar for a living, okay? What do I know? 
I will listen to someone who spent like almost decades or a decade, like, you know, studying the, you know, like uh, an epidemiologist, like they know what they're talking about. Like, <sighs> listen, I'm in Quebec where our government has, first of all, imposed a curfew, but sent all the kids back to school, has said that rapid testing is not necessary and has said that uh, ventilations in school, just open the windows. Don't worry about HEPA filters. And so that's the stupidity. See, now I'm getting political, but that's the stupidity I'm dealing with in this province. I mean, all cast aside all the other stuff. Our government does not basically believe in the science, and it's just like for fuck's sake. I think just, we're the uh, we're <laughs> in the same boat with you guys in Ontario. So don't get me started about Doug Ford. So. No, but at least at least they're like maybe we should have some filters. Maybe we should keep the school closed in red zones. Not. Eh, just go in and open the windows. Who cares? It's minus 20 outside. Eh, put a jacket on. I mean, come on. <laughs> what the fuck is Quebec doing? It's uh, anyway, we'll we'll leave it on that. On, on OK, I, I was. Gonna, yeah, I can. We could go back and forth for <laughs> forever comparing Ontario and Quebec. I'll I'll keep. <laughs> well, well, all we know is that we just the yeah, people in power. need to. I just think the people in power are just ah. They got to just get their shit together, all right. as is always the case perennially. I mean, it's always the same. All right, all right. Uh, this is where I've become disenfranchised, and and I'm I'm going to get off my my stay. But I, I look at what's going on with the kids in the school, and I look at them saying no HEPA filters. The, Quebec in the spring said, "Don't wear masks. Masks are dangerous." They said, and you. I can only surmise that they are going against the science because they want to make sure that business stays open. And yes, of course, it's important to have, but they are putting it on the backs of kids and they're letting kids get, you know, asymptomatic and bring it home to, and they're letting teachers get sick and, and there's potential for death and all that. And they're just ignoring it so that the bucks keep rolling in. And I think it's just, I think the Quebec government is currently criminal in, in their behavior. I don't know too much about what Doug Ford's doing. Uh, because I'm just so upset by looking at the Quebec news that I'm uh, not paying. Yeah, uh, yeah. I but, mean, we have our issues with with the Ontario government as well. I mean, when it comes to the uh, COVID rollout and the uh, how how they're dealing with you know retirement homes and and schools. Uh, yeah. So there you go. There's yeah. I <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna just shut up. Yeah, cause because we'll, I don't I don't like Doug Ford what Doug Ford's doing, the premier of, of Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I know the name and I know the reputation, but I don't really, I'm not following his policies up close. Uh, You know, I'm following a little bit what Kenny's doing in in Alberta and the way he's treating teachers too. I mean, during the pandemic, he has now taken away their retirement fund. Like they've taken back control of it. And it's just like, the fuck are you doing? Like, Uh, just, just focus on, Making sure no kid dies and no teacher dies. Let's let's, yeah. let's focus on that and all this other. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. There's no value in, with teachers anymore in, in education with these new government. Anyways, no, no. Uh, yep. <laughs> it, now, now you're preaching to the choir. I, my dad was a teacher, and I I think the the lack of respect uh shown by Canadian governments over the years of budget cuts budget cuts it was always we need to save money fucking close the classrooms and, and, 
you know what? Uh, Getting political, Mitch. You're, you're, you're I know. doing exactly what you said you don't do. I know. At the top of this conversation. I blame you. No, no. But you know what? The the teacher thing is is the one that really burns. That that's see that's and that's why you don't want to go to my Twitter and see me mouthing off about teachers all day. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing is like getting back to our, our first topic of conversation is, is um, again, I have to stress, I'm not a political type of person, but in these politically charged times. Right, in the context. Yeah, like someone's got to say like, you know, it's it's not good to be racist. <laughs> that's I know. what I basically want to tweet out, you know. Yeah. And uh, I haven't really said that in, in a lot of the years that we've been a band but just because it's so charged these days, um, yeah, I ha- I find myself having to say it. I mean, there was like Blackout Tuesday in June, right. so you know, and, and the the music industry was was fully affected by it. So I felt I I, I could say some things, and you know, things kind of snowball after that. Yeah, and then uh, you see my uh, my buddy who's at the beat in Montreal get that kind of tweet. Yeah. And you just and go, really, you just go, mm, okay, now, now it's time now, you know. Exactly. And it, it was like, I think I had one of those moments. I can't pinpoint it when I said, I should say something, man. I got to say something because I don't feel comfortable not saying something. So I can't remember the actual moment, but you know, it happened. And something like your friend getting that tweet would be a moment for me to go, what the, you know. Yeah, that that one was uh, that one was a bit uh, anyway. But it, you know, the Mohawk Nation in Quebec is not always well. In fact, it's never treated nicely. It's it's constant harassment, constant abuse, constant. It's just I just don't I I just don't see how they don't break down. I mean, I couldn't take that day day in and day. I just couldn't. And yet they yeah. face it day in and day out. Um, anyway, the, the, you know what? They I got your album here, Born a Lion, in front of me. They were born a lion. There's a lion nation for you right there. Born lions. Uh, Danko, just a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And uh, Well, it's good talking to you, Mitch. I'm not doing these interviews too much these days just because there's really nothing to talk about other than, you know, the coronavirus, which is not the best fun thing to talk about. <laughs> No, but I I think we got we got around this pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, usually when I prepare, it's, it's always ask about the album, ask about the tour, and then we'll see about where where it goes from there. Right. And uh, I didn't have that roadmap today, and I thought, okay, well, if we get fifteen minutes, God bless us, and here we are at forty seven. And I don't think we oh, had a, yeah. I don't think we had a dull moment. So I don't think so. I I mean, I I hope I didn't step in it either. Like sometimes I've got too big of a mouth where I step in you know, stuff that I say something that was like, ah, I shouldn't have said that, or I revealed too much, but, uh, I think, uh, I think we, we were okay. Yeah. I think we, I think we navigated that very well here. Let me just, uh, turn this off, but before I turn it off, uh, thank you, sir. Mayor C, as we say in Montreal, hold on a second. And, uh,